Last week, Pastor Andrew preached, and he told you, you are an influential person. And that's the truth. And, and I mean, I just hope you believe that, you receive that, and that you're, you're going to allow God to grow you in that. Um, uh, he preached because I wasn't here. I was up north preaching uh, at a church in Lancaster, New Hampshire. Uh, one, of my, one of my friends... Uh, it's a smaller church, and he needed a week off, so we were able to to help him out in that, which was which was great, and and I guess timely because I, I never realized that was scheduled that way. But we talked about influencing other churches the week before, and then the next week we were um, we were at another church. So that was just great that we had that opportunity. And you know uh, what Pastor Andrew said, I want to add to that today, and I want to tell you that you are an influential church. If you've got your Bibles, open to Matthew chapter 5. I want to read to you one of the most famous verses in the Bible about a church having influence and about how a church should have influence. If you don't have a Bible, you can download one on your phone at the App Store. Uh, they're free. And then also, if you want a physical copy of the Bible, we'd love to give you one, and you can get that at the Welcome Center if you just ask them. So Matthew chapter 5, we're going to start reading at verse number 13. This is Jesus, the words of Jesus. He said, you are the salt of the earth, but what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You probably heard this scripture if you've been involved in church at any time in your life. And, and, um, and we're going to talk about that again because it's always important that we reflect on where we are and who we are as a church and what Jesus is saying to us through the scripture this morning is that you should be a salted church. And I'm going to include myself in that, so I'm not preaching at you, but, but collectively, a Restoration Church, us as individuals who make up the church, we should be a salted church. And what he's saying, what Jesus is saying is people should be drawn to you. People should ask for you. Think about the dinner table and people say, pass the salt. It's something people want and something people desire. And that's what we should be as Christians and as a church in our community. And Jesus is telling his disciples and telling us, people should find me because of you. People should be drawn to you. People should ask you questions. And people, because of how you live, it should just naturally lead them to me. And it shouldn't be the fact that people find me despite of you. And so you've just repelled people completely about Jesus, completely from Jesus, but still somehow man, they manage somehow to meet him. And if we were to be truthful, that's not what the church in the United States is known for, being a salted church, a church that draws people to Jesus. And, um, you know, many people hate the church because they hate Christians. And uh, because they hate Christians, they hate Jesus. So this is just, just the opposite of what Jesus is taught. And, you know, there's a lot of reasons to hate Christians. And, and I'm sure we probably all have our horror stories. And then even me as a pastor, I have my own. I've seen it with my own eyes, the things people can do as they call themselves Christians. Uh, you, you know, just, it just you've come across people, and I've come across people who are absolute jerks come across people who are, are just complete lunatics. And, and it affects you. I mean, it just, the, if you are 
new in Christ or if you're a person who's beginning to seek out Jesus, man, it really, it really affects you. And, um, you know, as, as someone who's followed the Lord for over three decades and uh, who's made my life to church, like, it does not get any easier when people act this way. Uh, I've had people yell at me, lie about me. Um, it, the worst is when people twist and misinterpret scripture uh, without, not, on, not out of ignorance, but out of just, like, just out of deception and uh, use, trying to use scripture to control other people. And so what happens is people leave the church, people give up on Christianity, and people walk away from Jesus. And sometimes people will say, you know what, I just have my own private faith and I still love Jesus even though I'm not involved in the church, but it doesn't work that way. We see according to scripture that Jesus has designed the Christian to be the church and you must be connected to a church and, and it just does not work, um, uh, it does just not work separate uh, or, or disconnected. If you've never been to church before, and I know we have people in here every week, and this, is, this Sunday could be the first time you've ever gone to church in your life. Uh, this, this might be surprising for you to find out, like, wait a minute, Christians aren't supposed to be jerks? Christians aren't supposed to act that way? Um, no, that's not what Jesus has called Christians, and it's not what he's called the church to be like. He's called us to be a salted church. Now, I want to uh, just take some time and point out some of the types of churches that we can find in the United States. And Pastor Andrew, when he talked last week, he said, we can, if we're one degree off from the mission and one degree off from where God has called us to be, we'll end up way off from where he's called us to be. So we're going to look at these other churches, and, and for many of them, they just started one degree off. And we want to look and reflect on, on what these other churches are like so to make sure that we are staying directly, completely centered on Jesus and focused on him and focused on what he's called us to, to do. So since Jesus has used a food analogy, uh, uh, I'm going to just continue that theme. So the first church that maybe you've uh, had an interaction with, I like to call the Ghost Pepper Church. And this church, they the the, the the goal of this church and how they grade themselves and how they figure out how successful they are is by how much discomfort they cause other people and how much pain they cause other people. So if you know, you know, so if they like they, they love to yell about hell, they love to scream at people, they love to tell people how bad they are. And uh, and when they do that, man, they pat themselves on the back and they give each other high fives and like, yeah, we're doing it. And this church is angry, this church is aggressive. And uh, you'll see, you, you, you may not, you wonder like, oh, I wonder if, if these people are like that. Well, if you, you, like a good way to do, a good thing to do is like check their Facebook posts. And it's demeaning about, about other people. It's demeaning about other people's sin and their struggle. And, um, you, you know, this church, they love, to, they love to call people pagans, which is a biblical word. And, and it's a true word, but it just sounds so, so hideous, you know, to be calling people and describing people that way. And they have a huge focus on external sins. If you have a sin that they can see, they love that because that gives them a reason to use their pointer finger. Like, man, I've been waiting. Like, God created me with a pointer finger. Now I'm going to use it. Like, um, and they love to point their finger at you and they love to tell you 
how wrong you are. Never with the goal of restoring you to truth, just always with the goal of making you uncomfortable. So I, I remember um, uh, when I was a teenager, my group of friends were all Christian, and we would go, we, we had our, this church that we went to, a youth group at this church we went to, we went to a bunch of other youth groups. The biggest reason was we were trying to meet other girls, but, but also, like, you know, we just loved to, we loved the Lord, and so it was a natural place to go hang out. So we were, there's this one youth group, they had this once a month service, and so we would go to it, and it was a huge event. Like, there was a couple hundred teenagers there every week, and we had a, the best band of any youth group, and so we loved it. And this one night, the service went long, and so my friends and I, we had our little, we had our younger siblings with us, and, and, and so there were some curfew issues that were, that were coming into play, so it wasn't ending. So we're all whispering to each other, and we're like, yeah, we got to go, we got to get back. And because uh, it was like 45 minutes away. So we're sitting near the back. We all get up quietly and we start making our way out the service. And the, the teenager who was preaching that night, or he might have been like 20 years old, he said, where are you going? And like everybody turns and looks at us and we're like, and I go, oh, we have to leave. We have to get back for curfew. And he goes, I'll be praying for you. And... We all walked out of that room and like, we're laughing our heads off, like, I'll be praying for you. We go to five youth groups. At that time in our life, me and my friends went to church, I think, five nights a week, every single week. We were in Bible studies. <laughs> we're serving. We're showing up at church and doing work days. Like, we're just in it. We're involved, and, and, we, and we're reading the Bible together. Like, we're in it. And we were just so, like, what an arrogant idiot. And we never went back after that night. We never went back. And I always wondered, like, I wonder what happened to that guy. Well, well, I found out. It was, uh, it might have been 12, 12 years later. Let's see, if I was 17 then, what's 12 years later? I'm terrible at math. Uh, uh, someone help me. Sorry, I, I should have written these things down. 29? I think I was probably, yeah, probably 29 or 30. And all of a sudden, there's this really angry guy on the other team in the church softball league. And, uh, and, and so he's yelling. He's freaking out, red face over every play and every call. And um, finally, I turned to my younger brother, and I'm like, is that that guy? Is that that guy from the youth group? And he's like, yeah, it is. And so that guy who was preaching and who yelled at us, I'll be praying for you, was the absolute number one most miserable guy I've ever seen in the church softball league. He, was only play, he only played that one season, but an absolute, absolute pagan. <laughs> and and, just, and I, 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 as I reflected on this guy, I'm like, man, he has come so far from, from that teenager who God was blessing and giving a platform to. He's come so far from that. And my heart broke because I thought about all the kids from that youth group and all the kids from that church and all the people who looked up to that guy who he mistreated. Because if he would publicly mistreat us not knowing who we are, I mean, how is he treating the people who are there? He was a ghost pepper. And that was his goal. And it brought him far off course. And unfortunately, we can only assume that many people walked away from church and walked away from Jesus because of how that guy interacted. Now, the next church I will call the Blender Church. And this church, the goal of this church is not to make you more like Jesus. They're trying to make you more like them. And 
So when you come into this church, they want you to do, to do it their way. And if you don't do it their way, then, then they'll just immediately use this four-letter word, hell. If you don't do it this way, then you're going to go to hell. And, and they're, like, they're not angry about it, but they're like, hey, yeah, you got to do it this way, or it's hell. Like, that's your only alternative. And they begin to push their own traditions. They begin to push their, their own interpretation of Scripture. And then, and then probably what's even worse is they'll push their tradition before Scripture and before the mission. They hold their tradition the highest. And, uh, and so what they want to do is to get everybody to fall in line, act like them. You better... You better, you know, if you, if you show up at this time, type of church, they'll quietly like, hey, if you're going to come back, please wear, please wear a suit. My, my ringer is off, so I don't know why that made noise. Um, and, and so when you walk into the service, like, they'll say, hey, could you please dress more appropriately next week? And there's no conversation about Jesus. In their, in their, in their belief, in their, in their doctrine, they, they put their, their tradition on, on, the, on a higher playing field than Scripture. And so... This is the church, that, and maybe you've heard of this, and what they'll teach is that only people who get baptized within their church will actually go to heaven. So when you come in, there's a huge emphasis. You must be baptized within our denomination or within our, our style of church. And just imagine if we can flip that and how ludicrous that is. And if we said, hey, only people who go to Restoration Church and are baptized in Restoration Church, those are the only people who are going to go to heaven. Just think about like the, the effect that would have on the 8 billion people in the world. And so why do they do that? They do that as a, as a control technique because if, if that's the only church you can get to heaven from, well, you better be there. And if that's the only place, if you're going to be baptized in that church, and, and so that's like holding on to people. And uh, I think some people maybe are innocent in their own ignorance, and they're not trying to do that. Like now, generations later, that's just what they've been taught. But if you... A good question to ask the Blender Church is, where is that found in the Bible? There's churches that teach that speaking in tongues is demonic. And so you say, well, where is that found in the Bible? There are churches that teach that you must pay money to the church to have them pray for you after you die so you can go to heaven. And I remember when my grandfather died, this is the first time that I've ever really experienced it. And so my, my grandfather died, and I'm sitting at the, the buffet at, at his church uh, eating finger egg salad sandwiches. And someone comes over to my grandmother and hands her some certificates. And so I'm like, uh, just curious, like, oh, what did they give you? And so they begin to tell me. So in the, in the church my grandfather was a part of, when he died, people would give money to the church that the church would pray for my grandfather so that he could get to heaven. Well, he's already died. That decision's already been made. And so if you were to ask, where is that found in Scripture, they would just throw you out of that church. And then you, I guess you'd lose your money on those certificates. Like, sorry, we're not praying for him anymore. Like, and, and, but that's not found in Scripture. But that's a huge point of emphasis and a huge thing that they, that they use. And, and so we don't want to become that. We, you know, um, there should be, uh, uh, there should be, uh, we, we shouldn't all look the same. And that's kind of one challenge of being a, a part of a church that where everybody is, looks like you, everybody is like you, uh, there's nobody there you disagree with, there's nobody there that makes you uncomfortable, there's nobody there that, uh, you know, let's get that personality, you know, that's a little bit difficult. And it, because we just insulate ourselves, we just, we're trying to make it, I want what I like and who I like and only who I like, and, and that's not what he's called us to do. 
The, set, the third church is uh, the freeze-dried church. If you think about MREs, you know, you can go online and buy five-gallon buckets of MREs and uh, freeze-dried food for, you know, all these doomsday preppers and, and these wacky Christians are buying this stuff. And, um, and, and so you can buy these five-gallon buckets of food that will last you, I don't know, like it'll never expire. It'll last like 15 or 20 years. And what the freeze-dried church does is they gather together and they ignore the world around them. They have a bunker mentality. We must survive and hold out and one day God's going to come. You think about you're in a bunker and there's a nuclear holocaust. You're just in there hoping you can survive the fallout and one day like you'll re- like repopulate the earth. And they, they act this way. This church is afraid of the world. They're afraid of their neighborhoods. They're afraid of people who don't know Jesus. They're afraid of people who, who, who live their lives like they don't know Jesus. They're afraid of that. And this group of people, they're not trying to make disciples. They just have the same group of people, and they just disciple them over and over and over again. So there is, uh, and, and if a new person came into their church accidentally, they would be su- suspicious of that. They would all whisper to each other, like, why is that guy here? And, and, and no one's going to talk to him. Everybody's looking at him like, they're not wearing a suit. And, and it, they're terrified. This church, you know, the, the, I think the, one of the biggest characteristics of this church is everybody wants a Bible study, but nobody wants to serve. So nobody's involved in the mission. Nobody's, nobody's, nobody's helping out. Nobody's reaching out to their community. And again, everyone shows up and their desire is to be served. No one is living their life on the mission of God. No one's living their life trying to be the salt of the earth. And the light of the world. And then the last group is uh, the anchovy church. So instead of trying to make disciples, they're trying to make other Christians look bad. And I think this is probably the, the worst. I mean, they're all bad. But I think this is the worst one because someone who doesn't know Jesus looks at a group of Christians talking bad about another group of Christians. And that doesn't make any sense. Think about like in sports, if you've got the, the defense talking bad about the offense, like you're on the same team. Like, what are you doing? And, and, and so this is co- very confusing to people who, who don't, who aren't involved and who don't know Jesus. And, and they think like, why would I ever want to be involved in something like that if amongst Christians, they hate each other. And uh, you know, what? one thing that the anchovy church will do is they'll talk bad about other churches who grow. They'll talk bad about other churches who reach people. And the thing that they'll say, and, and you've heard this, and, and, and maybe you've been guilty of it, of saying it about another church, and may we never say it. May we never say it about another church. But they'll say this, uh, the only reason they're growing, or, or that church, they water down the gospel. So that's the reason people go there. Look, can we, can we break down that statement for a little bit? Jesus didn't say in the scripture that we just read, hey, why don't you be the anchovies of the world? And no one's going to like you except for the really weird people. He didn't say that. He didn't say that. He said you're going to be the salt of the world, that people are going to be drawn to you. So maybe the reason why these churches are growing is because they're not watering down the gospel. Because they're just preaching Jesus. And what does Jesus say? Lift me high and I'll draw all men unto me. 
What does Jesus say? I will build my church. And so maybe they're not watering down the gospel at all. But, and so kind of what people pride themselves is our church isn't growing because, man, we preach the Bible. We preach the truth of the Bible. But I think you're missing something because the truth of the Bible is good news. And when you know the good news, it's, there's no more bad news. And so the good news is, hey, yeah, there's a hell. But, hey, yeah, there's a Jesus. And, and so we, we don't want to like, consider ourselves like, man, our church is shrinking because we're preaching the word. No, there, you're, 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 there's got to be something that we're missing. And in our church, when there's been seasons of decline, man, we really, really got to look at what we're doing and how we're acting and how we're treating people. What this church likes to do is they like to compare their Christians who've been serving the Lord for 30, 40 years with other churches' Christians who've been serving the Lord for three weeks or three months. So when they visit another church, they'll, they'll go back to their friends and they'll be like, man, the people there didn't even worship. They didn't even worship there. And it's just like, let's, let's, let's take that mentality in another, in another sphere of the world. So uh, we're here in Dover, and uh, one of the, our rival schools is Rochester. So imagine Spalding High School, you know, the, and the Rochester town Facebook begins posting uh, garbage about Dover, and they were like, man, our kids average four digits in the SATs, but did you notice those kids at Dover? They're not even potty trained. And they start mocking us, and we're like, what are you talking about? And they've got statistics to prove it. And you're like, what are you talking about? And then you find out they're comparing their Spalding High School with our Head Start program. They're comparing their high school with our preschool. And you'd be like, that's so stupid. Like, what are you doing comparing the two? Like, like that's unbelievable. But that's what the anchovy church does. Oh, yeah, look at, look at them. That's so embarrassing. Did you see how the people there live? Yeah, they're people, they're baby Christians. They've, been, they've known Jesus and been following Jesus for three years of 30 years of their life. And we should be celebrating that and praising God for that, not pointing fingers at that. So he hasn't called us to be any of those types of churches. He called, he's called us to be a salted church. And the way we act in our neighborhoods, the way we act in our workplace, the way we act in our families should make people say like, man, I like that person. And so it should make people like show up at our cubicles, should make people invite themselves over to our house because they're like, man, there's something, I like that person. They're really nice. They're not gossiping like everybody else in the workplace. They're not stepping on me or trying to use me or manipulate me like everybody else to get ahead. They, you know, they, um, I like that person. So then they begin to hang around with you, and they, and they find out more about you, and they're like, wow, you have a nice family. Wow, you, you like your kids. Wow, you like your spouse. Wow, um, you're so helpful. You're so generous. And then they, it's just eventually, it's going to get to the place where they're like, so what's the deal? <laughs> you know? And, and, or, or when they find out, like, they, you're like, hey, can I come over to your house on Sunday morning? You're like, oh, actually, we're going to be at church. You're like, you go to church? I thought church people were mean. And, and they are drawn to Christ. And when it comes to the point in your life where the Jesus conversation comes up, it, they, could be, they could be the most anti 
church anti-Christian person in their, in, 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 that you've ever known, but when they find out you because you're salted, when they find out you know Jesus, all of a sudden, like, all their walls fall like the walls of Jericho, and they're like, they may not ever externally admit it, but all of their thoughts and private prayers have all shifted. God, could you be real? Could I have walked away from you because of some stupid people, but now I've met someone who's genuine and someone you really know? And, th- you know, this is happening in Londonderry. There's a, a guy who's been coming to the Londonderry launch the last three weeks. The last two weeks, he's brought his daughter. And what's his story? He, he says to, uh, to Jeremy, who's the Londonderry leader, and to the other volunteers there, I am anti-religion. I am anti-established church. But I feel a pull to keep coming back here. One week, the first week he was there, he gave one of our volunteers a blank check and said, fill out the amount you want. Now, he filled out an amount that was way too small. But imagine that, <laughs> someone, someone who's anti-church saying, here's a blank check. I need to support this. He's, he, last week, he talked with the leaders there about tithing. And... He's, he's brought his daughter with him the last two weeks, and he says, I keep inviting my wife to come. Hopefully, she'll come next week. This is someone who's st- he's still, his position still is, I am anti-church and anti-religion, but I feel a pull to keep coming here. Why? Because he, for the first time in his life, came across a salted church. And when you come across that, you're influenced to try more. You remember uh, Lay's potato chips back in the day? They said, bet you can't try just one. Well, when I was, uh, when probably I was 12 years old, my grandfather was on a doctor-induced diet, and he came over our house and brought unsalted potato chips with him. Now, I've always, like, had a strong addiction to potato chips, and uh, the reason when I was in sixth grade, I weighed more than my brother, who was a senior in high school. It was potato chips. It was the issue. So my grandfather brought over potato chips. Man, I was like, I was like. I was like a fat kid, and so I was really excited. And so I'm, I'll never forget the first and only unsalted potato chip I've ever eaten in my entire life. It was absolute. It was just awful. It was awful. And when someone tries a salted church, they're experience, and they experience a salted church, they want, they want one more. They want to, they want to experience more. They want to come back. And we, as a salted church, we are an influential church because we're influencing people to Jesus. We're not manipulating them. We're not, you know, influence and manipulation can seem the same, but they're not. Because influence is for the benefit of the person. It's not for my own benefit. And when we're influencing people, we're influential church. It's not for our own benefit. It's for the people to experience Jesus like we have, for their lives to be changed like by him, like ours have. Now I want to go back to Matthew chapter 5. And he, Jesus says this in verse number 16. He says, in the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see, so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. What is Jesus saying? Listen, you're, you being a salted person and you being a salted church, People are going to see that, and what's the result of that? They're going to praise God. They're going to praise God. 
And we have that amazing opportunity and that amazing position to be a salted church, to be an influential church, and we just live our lives like Jesus. We just become more like him a little bit every single day. We just repent when we're idiots. And, uh, uh, you know, we just be humble when, at all times, but especially when, when we've been off track. People are going to be drawn to that. People are going to find out Jesus just because you're salted. You are an influential church. I share with you one testimony, but Pastor Andrew will be sharing with you another testimony during the offering here in a little bit. You are doing it. You are doing it. You are making an impact. You are, people are coming to church and experiencing it and just like all their walls are being broken down and they're, and they're considering Jesus for the first time in their entire lives. So, but, but maybe there's something you can do. Maybe even though you're within a salted church, you're not one of the salted people who's kind of experiencing this and so, or, or you're a part of this. Maybe you're new here. You've never been connected. You moved in from another area or, or this is your first time in church. And even today, you make a decision to follow Jesus. Jump right in to what's going on. Allow God to use you. Maybe you've been a jerk at your workplace and tomorrow you're going to show up and you're going to be a different person. And people are not going to trust you, but five months from now when you're still that nice person, then they'll begin think, oh, I think this is legitimate. This person changed. Maybe you've been coming to, to Restoration Church for quite some time. It could be two months. It could be two years. But you've been holding back because you don't yet trust us because you've been burned by one of these other churches before. And so you want, you're like, man, I think it's different. Man, I'd love to be involved, but I just think they're going to turn on me like that other church did. This morning, I want you to be healed from that. And at the end of the service, there'll be people up front who will pray for you. But just come and give that to God. God, and, and during this reflection time where we sing here in just a minute, give that to God and say, God, I was broken. I was hurt by people who were not like you. And I want you to heal that in me so I can live the life you have for me. So I can, be, I can enjoy church and be involved in church like I used to be. And then maybe you're, you know, you're in. You're salted. You're involved. You're giving. You're part of this. Don't give up on that. Don't ever be discouraged by that. And then, and then we'll, we'll talk, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. We'll talk about it again. But begin to ask God, God, give me more places of influence. Give me more places where, where, people, can, where people can see who you are. This is one of the reasons why we want to uh, uh, launch Restoration Church locations in places where there's not a life-giving church, and, and, and especially in rural New Hampshire. You know, I was just up there. It, we, it's, a, it's a desperate, it's a hard situation for the churches that exist, for my friend's church. It's hard. And we want to go up there because we want to be able to show people a salted church maybe for the first time in their life. And this motivates all of that. And so we just begin to say, God, use me. Use me. Wherever you want to put me in my life, wherever you can use me to influence, wherever I can go to give people a taste of how great you are, I'm open to you. Use me in those places. Will you, excuse me, will you close your eyes and bow your heads? I want to take a moment and pray for you. And uh, just, you know, just begin to talk to God. And, and, and maybe, you, um, maybe you've been guilty of being one of those people 
an angry person, a mean person. You point fingers at people. You, you talk bad about people. You just pray a simple prayer. Jesus, forgive me. I was off from who you called me to be. Forgive me. Maybe this morning you're making a decision to follow Jesus and it's a, a simple prayer you pray to him. Jesus, I need you. Forgive me of my sins. Be my Lord. Be my God. Be my Savior. I make a decision today to follow you. You pray that prayer. Let me pray for you, Jesus, for every person in here. No matter what their background at is, no matter what they've done, God, I just pray they would just let their hearts be soft towards you. God, they would allow you mold them and change them and transform them. That they would be like what you've called them to, to be. They would be like you. They would be a salted church, not like these other variations that are so prevalent throughout our culture. May they be a salted church, and salted people, an influential church, and influential people. As you keep your eyes closed, I want you to just, just begin to imagine what it will be like for the person who's sworn off church and sworn off Jesus but the difference you could make in their life because they finally meet someone who looks like Jesus they finally meet someone who treats them like Jesus what kind of difference could you make 